Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. It's been coming up quite a lot so far this evening. It's been about wisdom. And where do we get wisdom? How do we get the wisdom of God? And um, if I was going to call, give this talk a title, I think I'd call it the wisdom question. It's like if there was a question that you could ask to get wisdom, what would it be? And, and um, this passage is a bit of an obscure one from the Old Testament and is probably not the kind of passage that God's going to speak to you from unless you read it. And it's, you know, you're probably not going to be reading it if you're one of those kind of Christians who just has like a little book of like, I don't know, I mean, I'm not saying don't do these at all, but when you just have like one verse at the top of, of something from the Bible and then a load of people's thoughts all about it and you think that's your daily bread. That's not your daily bread. That's a, a cherry on top of a Batewell tart. <laughs> that's really what all it is. It's not daily bread. It isn't enough to feed you. And you're not going to get from God what he's got for you if that's the way that you read your Bible. Because this book, it it needs to be read systematically and regularly and all the way through. And to be able to find a system to be able to do that is how you're going to be able to learn to feed yourself. And not just to feed yourself, but to be able to feed others. You know, sometimes people think, oh yeah, well, this is how you feed yourself. It needs to go beyond me. I need to be able to have a word from God for you, not just a word from God for me. And that's not just because I lead the church. Every Christian needs to have a word of God and every Christian needs to have a word of God, not just for me, but a word of God for you because the world needs people who who have been fed on the word of God. So this is a pretty obscure verse from an obscure part of the Old Testament in some ways. And as I say, unless you're following like a Bible reading plan, which I encourage you to do. You can do them for free. You version, download it. Robert Murray McShane is the one that I use. Been doing it for years. You get through the whole Bible, get through the Old Testament once, New Testament twice, every year. Brilliant. Doesn't even take that long. Did it this morning while having a shower and a shave. David Suchet reading it to me. Get that picture out of your head. So, look. David was told, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. He inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack them? And the Lord answered, go. I'm not here by accident. I'm not leading Ivy Church by accident. I'm I'm here by calling. I'm here because God called me. It's important at times for me to remember I'm not here because it was my idea. I'm here because it's God's idea and I'm staying here until he's told me I've got something else for you to do. people ask sometimes how, how does Isaiah grown how have you ended up planting these other places and trying to meet in these other places and and you know planting different sites and things like that and as I look back I have to say my only regret about that and God's been so good is is that I wish I could say it's because we inquired of the Lord more I'm not saying we haven't done but I think there's been times personally speaking 
when I've just thought it's a good idea and just assumed that God will go along with it. And the good thing is he's good. And so as we move forward, he covers our backs and he, he gives us mercy and he gives us grace and he gives us help. So this isn't like the will of God is some tightrope thing that you could wobble off and fall off because there's a, there's a wideness in his mercy here. But I just want to talk about, is there, could, what if, how much better would it be if, if, we, if we ask this wisdom question more and more? And I think this is a very crucial time for us to be praying and asking for wisdom for people in our nation for ourselves and, and I could talk a lot about the, the, the world and the way that's going but ultimately the Bible says judgment begins with the house of God and we have to look at the church and we have to think what is the, which way is the church heading and yes we can apply this to all kinds of other people I said this morning some people are saying well the government we're going through all these things they should be calling for, for a, a day of prayer and, and, but, but why would they if we're not you know, why would, the, why would the Prime Minister be calling for prayer if the church isn't desperate and crying out to God? So, I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday. I don't know what's going to happen in 2020. Do you know the Bible, Book of James says, do not boast about what's going to happen. Tomorrow we're going to go to this city and then we'll go to that city. It says, for you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You are missed. It's like, so, you know, let's not hold on to our plans so tightly. Instead, we should go to God and ask for his wisdom and seek his counsel, not on what we want to do, but on what he wants to do. Because the biggest question for Jesus followers is never, what do I want to do? That's what you say when you're not a Christian. What do I want to do is how you live when you don't know Jesus. What do I want to do? What do I want to do? What do I want to do? The biggest question for disciples is, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's it. What do you want me to do, Lord? And you can, have to, you can apply this in your setting. You have to apply it in your own situation, in your own family choices, in your job choices, in where you're going to live. And, you know, in my world, in church leadership, there are a thousand voices and 10,000 choices and there's all kinds of opinions and there's books and there's blogs. I've even written some of them that say, you know, this is all you have to do. You do this and your church will grow. You know, go to this place and do it like they do it. And if you do it like they do it, you'll see what they're, they're saying. And then you do it and you don't. Because it turns out that's them. And that's what the Lord wants them to do. And just because it's what the Lord wants them to do doesn't mean it's what he wants me to do. Even if I do the same things, doesn't mean I'm going to get the same result because he told them to do it. Doesn't mean he told me to do it. So people, people say, oh, this is the way that you do ministry. And there's a fad and there's a fashion and there's a new approach. And it's like, it's all so promising. This is how if we do worship this way, this will happen. And you do worship that way. And it maybe it's good for a bit and people like it. And then it kind of goes because it was just in and out and it was something else. Just do it like this. How we would, how you do small groups. Oh, you've got to call them this name, and you've got to do it like this. And you have to, if you do it like this, according to this pattern, then you'll have a successful small group ministry. How tos. There's all these how tos. How to, and you do them. And and then they don't always work. Or they work for a bit. But they work for them. It doesn't mean they work for me or they don't work for here. 
and we have all this information coming at us. You know, we, the people said we moved out of the industrial age. We're in the information age. They say this is now the time of the knowledge worker. And there's all this information that we're bombarded with. We've got so much information, but more information does not necessarily equate to more understanding. More information does not necessarily equate to more wisdom. So in this passage, it's the time in life while David is not king. He's been anointed as king, but he does not wear a crown. He's been chased by the man in the crown. By Saul, all over the place. You probably know the background to the story. How David starts out brilliantly, really well, with that famous victory of a big guy called Goliath, from a place called Gath. And before long, David's doing great and he's killing loads of Philistines. And the number one song on iTunes, on Israel Tunes at the time, is, it's called this, Saul has killed his thousands. David's killed his tens of thousands. That's the one. It's like, it's a rap. It's a really, you know, it's a, it's, that's the song. It's like, yeah. Saul has killed his thousands. David killed his tens of thousands. Everybody loved that song, except Saul. He hated that song. He was like, stop playing that. Everywhere I go, it's all I can hear. I'm fed up with it. And he, so he tries to kill David. He keeps throwing spears at him. He goes after him. He chases after him. And in many of these Psalms then, David, he's on the run. But do you know what he does when he's on the run? He runs to God. He doesn't run away from God because he's, he's, he's under pressure. He runs to God. Most of his Psalms are written during this period of this time when he's on the run, when he's running to God and he's hiding in a cave and he's writing about this hard times that he's going through when he was being pursued by Saul. There's lots of them start out like that. He keeps drawing close to God. Every time Saul gets a bit closer to him, he keeps drawing closer to God and then it just so happens something happens. And, and Saul tries to grab him and he's not there anymore. Keeps on happening. In fact, it's the other way around. He, David keeps finding himself in a position where he could kill Saul, but he doesn't. Because yes. the Lord's with him. Amen. So, 1 Samuel chapter 23, David's on the run. He's, he's left the palace at Jerusalem. I think we might have a little map. Disregard some of the numbers on it and stuff like that, because I just nicked this off the internet just for a bit of geography. More than anything else, somebody else's study. But you can see some of the geography there, where David's left Jerusalem. He's gone to Bethlehem. Um, there was a bit of a party that he wasn't at and Saul said, where is he? And Jonathan said, oh, I think he's gone to Bethlehem. And before long, Saul warns him, Jonathan warns him, yes, my dad's after you. So he legs it from Bethlehem and he goes and, and he goes into, uh, well, he, gets, he, he goes eventually down to Adullam. You see that? The red circle at the bottom. He hides in his cave called Adullam. And it says that while he was there, a bunch of 3D people came. 3D people, you know where they are. It says those who were in debt, those who were in distress, and those who were discontented. These are the people who gathered around him. Now, some of them became mighty men, but they didn't start out like that. They started out as 3D people. Debt, distress, down about life. Just down and out. And they all come to David, this ragtag bunch. And then the message comes to him, actually to them, that this place called Keilah out in the desert where there's, a, there's some Israelite people living there in this town nearby. You can see Keilah on the map. Can you see it? If not, you should have sat at the front. 
Keilah is under attack by the Philistines. And the Philistines are going to capture them and kill them. They're taking advantage of this helpless people in this town. And David, you know, is this weird combination. He's like a fierce warrior and a mystical poet. He's got both sides of him. And he's a fighter for the Lord. And, you know, he, the Lord helped him. He killed Goliath. And so he's fought the biggest, all the Philistines. He killed loads of them. And now he hears about this place called Keilah where the Philistines are coming against him and they need help. So what do you do? What does he say that he did? Did he just dive in? Did he just go and say, come on, we're off? No. The Bible says, David inquired of the Lord. He asks, shall I? That's the wisdom question. Next slide, I think, Rob. Because it's going to be there a while. Shall I? Shall I go and attack these Philistines and try and rescue Keilah? Isn't that a great question? It's actually a very interesting question. Shall I? From a human perspective, what you could have thought is, well, you know, I've already got a lot on my plate. I've got Saul and his army after me, and they're chasing me. I've got all these problems. I've got all these pressures. I've got these moaners, all the only people I've got to work with. And then he goes to them and his own people, they start to say, yeah, you know, no, we don't want to go and fight the Philistines. It's bad enough having Saul attacking us without us going and picking a fight with them. There's loads of them. Why would we go there? We're scared enough where we are. That's good human thinking, isn't it? Normal, natural human thinking. 3D people think like that. Distressed, in debt, discontented. If you went to them, what are they going to say? Are they likely to rise up and come and fight with you? No. Not at all. Doesn't this happen to us? Sometimes. It doesn't have to be. It, could, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be a need. It could be an opportunity. Amen. And we could think, well, obviously we should go. That's another way we could do it. Well, that's a good opportunity. Obviously I'm meant to take it. Mm. Or else why would it have opened up? There's a door. It's open. Obviously I'm meant to go through it. I'm, too, I'm a bit busy to be able to spend much time checking it out. I'll just go through. Because the Lord is with me. Or, or, no, I don't think I can. I'm not sure. Do you think I can? I don't know. Do you think God's saying it? You go and ask somebody and you ask a 3D person. What are they going to say? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Very, very bad. Very dangerous. Dangerous, foolhardy. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't do that. No, no, no. You, you've not been a Christian long enough. That's what I say. Yeah, that kind of thing. No, no, no. What did David do? David inquired of the Lord again. Amen. That's a key. Yes. David inquired of the Lord again. Yes. Guess what? God hadn't changed his mind. Mm. Shall I go? Shall I? Specific request for wisdom about a specific problem. He needs counsel from the Lord. As I say, you can look at it from the other side. To be honest with you, my usual downfall would be to err on the side of just going for it. That's my default setting. Just to kind of assume. Well, yeah, come on. And like David, it's, it's pretty tough. 
You know, he could have been like, well, the Philistines, I eat Philistines for breakfast. You know, I am the Lord's anointed. You know, when I was just a kid, I killed a lion and a bear. And then I, I went up against Goliath and I had, I had a, one stone was all I needed and a sling. All of the other army, none of them could do it. I stepped up. I was, he was their champion. And then I was the champion. We are the champions. Yeah? David killed his tens of thousands. He couldn't, he could have could been like, I'm the man with the plan. Couldn't he? Yeah, I'm the king, I'm the king with the sling. I'm the guy who lets it fly. <laughs> I'm God's anointed and appointed. I can have the victory. Because, you know, the Lord just blesses me and blesses my plans. But David inquired of the Lord, should I? Not could I. That's interesting, isn't it? You see? See, big difference. Sometimes you can go with a could I and God will let you. Because he loves us. But it's good to ask him, should I? It's not can I, because guess what? God can. David knew God could. God can do anything. When everybody else, including all of his big brothers, are all trembling in the shadows of, well, in Goliath's shadow, David steps up into the valley and he says, come on. Why? Why? What did he say? Because he knew, he told Goliath, it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Amen. So when he was faced with a problem, a big problem or an opportunity, a decision to make, David didn't back away with fear and say, oh no, I can't do it because he knew God could do it. At the same time, he didn't step up with presumption and just assume and dive in saying, I'm God's man of power for the hour. What did he do? David inquired of the Lord. Lord, I've fought with the Philistines before. You've helped me. It wasn't by my sword. It wasn't by my wit, by my might. It was you. Should I go now? Is this my fight? Today, now, at this time, is this part of your plan for my life? Is it God, part of God's plan for people who are being oppressed to be helped? Yeah, so there's a general will of God about injustice being fought and all those kind of things. But we shouldn't just assume that because God says you can, generally, that he also says you shall. I think he likes us to ask more than anything else. See, I don't know how this will work out in your world, but for ministers of churches like me, so often you can end up looking for a magic formula, some ABC book and course of how to win the city, how to lead the youth, how to raise up leaders. No shortage of those kind of things, telling us what to do, how to do it. You can easily find an article on how to be a great parent, 
how to get a great life partner, how to line that job, even Christian articles. There's loads of them. It's what the internet's for. But when David was confronted with this situation, this decision, he didn't just run a script from the past. He came with this one. And he said, Lord, shall I? What if there really is a simple question, just two or three words that tonight, this week, if we employed this strategy, would save us from a whole world of pain, disappointment, blind alleys, disappointment and trouble. A simple ask, a question, if we were to ask it in humility, and then if we're not sure, because some other people say, well, I'm not sure, we could ask it again. What if there was? Imagine if there was a really short question we could ask. I wonder what it could be. Because when David was confronted with this situation, he said, I'm not doubting that you can, Lord. You can do anything. But shall I? Because just because you can, doesn't mean I should. It seems right. It seems like the right thing to do. But is this now the right thing for me to do? Because you get all kinds of offers, all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of possibilities. And the Bible clearly and repeatedly tells us that God does have a plan for every one of our lives. He has a will, a perfect will even. God didn't just save us and then say, right, go on, do what you want. I think sometimes Christians think that. You've become a Christian, now do what you want. That's not Christianity. Therefore go into all the world and do whatever you fancy is not what Jesus said. But I think we live like that. See, if God saved you for heaven, he has a purpose before you get there. He has some plans and ideas for you to do. Acts says this about David. It sums it up like this. It says, David served the purpose of God in his generation and then he fell asleep. Amen. Which when he fell asleep, we know what that means. Yeah. He didn't wake up again. Yeah. That was it. But he served the purpose of God in his generation. So, if you're not dead, God ain't done. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not dead yet. Even if you look a bit like, no, no. You don't get to decide the plan, but you do have to discover it. And God won't just, don't just assume because you're still breathing that you're actually living in the, the plan of God. And the purposes of God. You might just be still following your plans and hoping he blesses them. Hoping his blessing catches up with the decisions that you made. The, 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 Jesus said this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you as well. It's not seek all these things and then my kingdom will come. You know what Paul called himself? He said, I'm a, I'm a bond servant of Christ. Literally, the word for that is a, an, 
an under rower. Have you, have you ever seen in those films where you have like in those days, some, there'd be slaves under the, under the ship and they would just be kind of holding on to something and rowing. Yeah. Under rower. That's what Paul said, I am. I'm an under rower for Jesus. I'm not the guy beating the drum who's telling everybody when they should go, I'm not him. I'm certainly not the guy at the top who's directing the ship and saying where it should go. I'm underneath where nobody sees pulling an oar. I don't even get to see where we're going. Half the time. That's what he described himself as a minister. Jesus modelled this for us every day during his 33 years of life on earth. The devil wanted to tempt him, came through him in the desert. What did, what did he want to tempt him to do? His own thing. Every time. Do your own thing. That's what each of those temptations basically is. Turn the stones into bread. You don't have to be hungry. Do your own thing. He can. Could he? Yeah. He could. Yes. Just because you can doesn't mean thou shall. Throw, do your own thing. Throw yourself off the temple. No bungee jump rope. Fly. Everybody will go wow and follow you. Do your own thing. So, could he? Yes. Did he? No. Because who was telling him what to do? His father was telling him what to do. When the Pharisees were accusing, were attacking him unjustly, he said, why do you criticise the things that I do? I only do the things the father shows me. It's like, that's it. He said, I'm not operating on my own authority. I'm under orders. I only have power because I'm operating under authority. Jesus limited himself to obedience and as a result of limiting himself in obedience, he had access to unlimited power. Amen. We don't get this. Amen. I'll say it again. Because Jesus voluntarily submitted himself to obedience, he limited himself and therefore he had access to the unlimited power of heaven. And he did that to show what we can do. Not to show what he could do, but to show that actually now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, therefore go. We get to do the same things and even greater because he's gone to be with the Father. Jesus limited himself. He, he didn't just heal every dead person. He didn't just heal every sick person. He didn't do it indiscriminately. He, he asked the Father, he prayed, what shall I do in this situation? He, he didn't just go where he wanted. At one point, Peter comes and he says, everybody's been looking for you. They all want you to go here and do this and do that. And he said, yeah, you know what? I've been praying. We're going to go over there Amen. and then to that town and that town because that's what I came to do. Amen. His brothers say to him, Go to Jerusalem. If you want to do something famous and public, you're hanging around the wrong place here. Go to Jerusalem. What does he say? You go. You go if you want. I'm not going. It's not my time. Amen. He said, any time's right for you, but not for me. 
He knew. He wasn't even, so it's not just about being in the right place, it's about being in the right place at the right time. Sometimes you can be in the right place. Sometimes you can be in the wrong place. Sometimes you can be in the right place at the wrong time and it becomes the wrong place. That was so good, I wish I'd taped that because I like that bit. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that myself later on and remind myself of it because that was a bit of a revelation, I think. See, Jesus kept asking, do you think Jesus ever asked, can I? And no, no, no. The question was, shall I? What shall I do in this situation? I only want to do, Father, what you want me to do. He stands in front of Lazarus' tomb. He prays in front of everybody. He says, Lord, Father, I know you always hear me. I'm only praying out loud so everybody else will hear. Everybody says he's got there at the wrong time. Everybody thinks he's late. He's bang on time. Because he wants it to be three days late. So everybody's then going to go, oh, it wasn't just, he wasn't just a bit dead. You know? Oh, it's an easy one. He's only a bit dead. No, he's like three days well dead, stinky dead. Yeah? Ooh, ooh, no, he's stinky dead. Don't pray for him now, Lord. We don't want to see him again. He comes out, not stinky dead, alive. Hmm. And he did end up in Jerusalem at the right time. At Passover, because he was the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Shall I go? And then he prays, shall I go? Father, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to drink that cup full of your wrath against the sin of the world. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was always inquiring, always asking of the Father, Father, shall I? What shall I do here? Now, the guy's blind. What shall I do? Speak a healing word. He speaks. He can see. The guy's blind. What shall I do? Spitty mud pies. Really? Okay. Imagine if God said that to you. You're walking down Didsbury High Street. There's some blind person there. Excuse me. I think God's told me something. <laughs> but what's this saying? No formula. No, this is how you do it and then God has to do it. It doesn't work like that. If you ever went up to Peter and James and John and said, what's it like? What do you do following the rabbi? What do you do? They'd just say, what you just said. It's not, even, it's not that difficult. When he says go, we go. When he says do that, we do that. When he says don't do that, we don't do that. That's it. That's why he picked us. Because we're not clever enough to argue most of the time. We just obey. So, you are not like the leaves blowing out outside there, wherever it goes. You have purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And because you're a Christian, you can't do everything you want. But the great thing is, because you're a Christian, you can do everything he wants. And that's miles better. So God has got a plan for your life. God has a plan for your ministry. Can I say that? Amen. Your ministry. Amen. Let's look at a verse from the Bible. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says this. Paul says, we are all able ministers of the new covenant. 
See, people look at me and go, oh, did you become a minister? Yeah, when? When I became a Christian. We are all. So hands up if you're included in all. Everybody should be putting a hand up if you've got a hand. If not, we'll pray for you. The hand will be restored in Jesus' name. Great, okay. So you've got a ministry. What is it? I know what mine is. How did I find out? It's not hard. I inquired. I inquired of the Lord. And now I'm trying to do what he told me to do. What's your ministry? It could be in the place on your street. It could be where you work. It could be in your family. What are you doing for Jesus? That's your ministry. What are you doing that isn't necessarily at all for you? You can still have fun doing it, but it's for Jesus. That's your ministry. You're doing it because you're a Jesus follower, first and foremost. That is your ministry. Or sometimes are we just following our plan and hoping that his blessing catches up with our plan? See, God wants to use you way more than you think. He has a ministry for you. He has got ways that only you can serve his love to the world. Nobody else on the planet can do what you can do. Isn't that amazing? God is setting it all up so that nobody else ever in history, nobody else ever in the whole world will be able to do what he wants you to do. Now, you might not get paid for it, or you might get paid for it. But I'll tell you what, you already got paid for it. 2,000 years ago on the cross. Paid in full, Jesus said. God knows exactly what he wants you to do for him for the rest of your life in ministry for him. You have a duty and a responsibility to find out what it is and to do it. Have you inquired? What does he want you to fight for? What's the fight? David inquired. Because he knew that there were fights that he should fight and there were fights that he shouldn't fight. He knew there were things he should do and there were things that he shouldn't do. That he didn't want to get it wrong. You know who did get it wrong? Saul got it wrong. Yes. Saul got it wrong because he kept assuming that because he was the king he could do whatever he wanted. Yes. And God would just bless him. And it doesn't work like that. And he got worse and worse and worse for him until eventually, how did Saul die? On a lonely battlefield surrounded by dying sons begging his armor bearer to kill him before the Philistines tortured him and caught him. Why? Because he didn't inquire of the Lord. Who did he inquire of? First of all, himself. Then eventually he gets so bad he inquires of a witch, a medium. No wonder he ended up dead. Going to the, somebody who's in touch with the dead rather than the living God. But David inquired of the Lord, shall I? Not because he was in doubt, but because he was a believer. Yeah. That's a believer's question. It's not, oh, I don't know if I should. It's, should I? Shall I? Is this, is this something for me to do? He knew the Lord is a wonderful counsellor, so we went to him for counselling. Now, before we close, there are some things that you don't even have to ask God, shall I, about. 
what would they be? They would be the things that God has already said, thou shalt not. He likes you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God likes you. But he doesn't make exceptions. <laughs> and there's things in here, there's not that many of them, and they're pretty reasonable, to be honest with you, that he's already said, thou shalt not. So it's not like okay for you just this once under these circumstances to commit adultery or to lie or to steal. Don't ask the Lord. Don't ask him about stuff that he's already said thou shalt not, shall I? Because you don't want to hear the answer. And the only reason that you're not asking him is because you don't want to hear the answer. He already wrote it down here. So we don't have to go with all these things. In fact, if somebody comes along with a word for you and says you shall, you need to test that word as to whether or not you should. And you test it out of here. I prophesy the Lord would have you marry me. Yay, amen and hallelujah. Hang on a minute. He's not told me. It's funny, isn't it? I thought he would have told me too. See, the Bible doesn't say anybody should marry. It didn't have to. The Bible has a very high view of singleness. Yeah. One thing it does say is that you shouldn't be unequally yoked. You should marry a believer. It's really clear about that. But there's no name. It doesn't say in here, thou shalt marry and give you a name. So what do you do? Inquire of the Lord. Amen. Lord, I'm starting to wonder. I'm feeling something for this person. Is this your perfect plan for my life? Not for my life, for us. Amen. Or not? Amen. And if it's not, if you don't want it, I don't want it. Amen. Guess what? If he don't want it, you don't want it. Right. David inquired of the Lord and all throughout his story whenever David did that it went really well and then he messed up when when he decided at the time when all the kings got to war that he wasn't going to go to war he wasn't going to go and fight the battles that the Lord wanted him to fight he was going to stay at home get his binoculars out go for a little walk at night go and see if there were any birds out and he saw one in a bird bath <laughs> and it would downward spiral from there God has got a plan he wants to use you for his purposes the question is not what other people say or what other people want or what other people think the question is Lord I inquire of you shall I Acts chapter 16 I'm coming into land Paul great missionary called by God. The gospel's opening out all over the place. He's got a team of people he's trained up. They're planting churches. They're baptizing people. It's going crazy. He's heading towards the east. And then it says this, the, the spirit forbid him to go into Asia. Amen. What? Uh, we've been told, go into all the world and make disciples. Last time I checked, Asia's the world. 
when I look at the globe. I've got permission. I've got a commission. Surely I should be going. You know, Paul wasn't trying to do something bad. He wasn't going to Asia to buy drugs or something. He was, he was like wanting to take the gospel, wasn't he? Yeah. Why would God say no? I'll tell you. Because just because it was part of God's plan didn't mean necessarily it was part of God's plan for Paul. Yeah. You see the difference? Mm-hmm. Paul goes west, tries to go to a place called Bithynia. Again, the Bible says, and the spirit of Jesus forbid him to do it. Ah, can't go east, can't go west. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've got the team, I've got the plan. Seems good to go. Why aren't we going? Access denied. This could happen in your life. Maybe it already has. You end up in this frustrated place. I thought we should going to do that. No, thought we should do that. No, it doesn't say how God told him no, but in some way Jesus was telling him no. It feels boxed in. What did he do? I love this. You know what Paul did? He went to sleep. He went to sleep. He didn't stay up all night stressing and fighting and fasting and storming and all that kind of thing. Maybe he tried some of that. In the end, what he did was he said, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go to sleep. And that night, what happened? He had a dream. He had a vision. A man from Macedonia said, come over here and help us. And then he says this, we took that as from the Lord that this is what God wanted us to do. See, I think this is what the Lord wants to teach me. I've just had seven days away praying, a couple of days around it as well. And more than anything, what he's taught me through that is, because I need to, I don't want to learn always the hard way. Inquire of me. Save yourself a world of pain. Save God from having to rescue you over and over and over out of the times when we didn't even ask him. And we just sort of kept going down that wrong road, hoping it would become the right one one day and I've learned from the Bible and from good and bad experience that I can't do anything that I'm meant to be doing without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not that clever, I'm not that great. And there's, the needs are so massive and I know I can't meet all of them. There's so many things that could be fought, so many problems that could call for my attention. But David did go. Why? Because he knew God called him. And when you know God calls you, you better go. And he went. And it says, and the Lord struck a mighty blow. Where the Lord guides, the Lord provides. If he didn't, it's up to you. When the Israelites... We're in the wilderness. If you ask one of the Jewish leaders, how long are you going to be here? What would they say? Don't know. Well, when are you going to move? When that thing does. (laughs) See that dirty great pillar of cloud? Yeah. It also becomes fire at night. When that goes, we go. Till then, we stay. And when we go and when we stay, 
Amazing things happen. Like we wake up every morning and there's like this funny stuff to eat. Manna. Sometimes we even get like quail butties. They're really good. You ever, ever had quail? It's like God, and, and guess what? I've had these shoes years. You know, I've had these shoes for years. They just don't wear out. No matter how far I walk, these are great shoes. Shall we stand to pray? And um, Rob can come up. We're going to go into a time of trying to pray this in. And uh, I just ask the Lord to let this truth, again, not just be information that we add into our head, but it will drop down into our hearts and into our, even this week, there, could be, there will be situations, I guarantee, where you will have opportunity to, to do something or not do something. And some people might say you should and some people might say you shouldn't. You might think that you should and you might think that you shouldn't. And it's in that moment you have the opportunity. Will I just go with what I think or what people think or will I stop and say, Lord, shall I? Shall I? Will I inquire of the Lord? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So David went to Keilah. Because the Lord said go. And David struck the Philistines with a mighty blow. And the town was saved. Lord, help us to stop. Help us to ask, to inquire of you. Not can I. Because I can do all things through you. But shall I? What's your will? Is it now? Is it right? For me. Because when you go, Lord, when you want me to go, I want to go. Mm. How are you going to implement this in the next few days? Just ask the Lord strategies, ways you can maybe interrupt your day, put in think notes in your calendar. Now at 11am, I'm going to stop. I'm going to inquire of the Lord about the rest of the day. I'm not just going to rush into it. Two o'clock, inquire of the Lord time, whatever. Because we start to get new disciplines and patterns. Lord, help me to inquire of you. Teach me, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.